0: The Late Debate with Katie Hannon on RTE Radio 1. Government U-turn on Covid business supports, but will it be enough? Is it a glitch or a systemic failure? Why aren't boosters getting into arms? And the only way is up. Inflation hits a 20-year high, but is it a temporary blip or a worrying trend? We'll have all that and more on tonight's Late Debate. And our panel on this Thursday night, Maureen Farrell, and Féin TD for Galway West and Spokesperson on Public Expenditure and Reform. Malcolm Byrne, Fianna Fáil Senator and Spokesperson for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science. Independent Senator Gerard Crockwell and Public Affairs Commentator and Columnist Gerard Howlin. We want to hear from you as well, so do get in touch. Text us on 51551, email us on latedebate at rte.ie or tweet to at now, Tónis de Leo Varadkar today said that the booster vaccine, vaccine programme is going very well, with over a million people having received their third dose. He did, however, express his regrets and apologise on behalf of the government and the HSE for the inconvenience faced by people this morning who were queuing for their dose and weren't able to get it. Let's have a listen to some of those people now who spoke to Barry Lennon for the Today with Claire Burns show from The Queue for the Vaccine at UCD in Dublin.
1: About
2: Got here about 10 to from the car park and we're here queueing for two and three quarter hours now, nearly three hours. Crazy, crazy, but it's worth it though, it's worth it.
0: And I mean we got no notification from the HSA and I mean two of us are 65 and here we are it's waiting like nearly two hours. Three hours
2: yeah. And then crazy. like
3: the lady said they a while ago that the place was um The walk is closing, I think it's
2: closing.
1: crazy. Yeah, a lady came up a little while ago and said it was closed to walk in, so it's going to be a lottery when you go okay. through that door. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. Um, oh, is there a better okay. system? Do you think? Mihal Martin was saying during the week, people aren't turning up. He claimed that might be the case well, after all.
2: Oh, well, no. But you see the big queue here this morning. There's a thousand, at least a thousand
1: people behind us. That were so sent away. They were sent away.
0: Um, Malcolm Byrne, does Mihal Martin still believe that the same urgency isn't there uh, to? A for people to avail of the, the booster shot as there was for the initial two vaccines?
1: Well, I think the fact that we're seeing, uh, you know, over a million people who have already availed of the booster, um, it is a sign that there is the demand that is out there. There is a glitch um, clearly in the system. And uh, I, I, I look, right throughout the vaccination programme, there have been glitches. Um, but if you look at it in general, and if you think back to this time last year, where we didn't know exactly where we were going to be, Over the course of this year, we have seen 3.8 million people uh, double jabbed, uh, fully vaccinated. We now have over a million uh, who have received their boosters. We know that vaccination is the most effective way to battle um, this virus. And of course, you've heard the government has apologised over the glitches that are there in the system. uh, Sorry,
0: the Thánaiste apologised. But when the Taoiseach was asked about this today, he... We're told, didn't take up the opportunity to to uh, walk back from those remarks he made in the doll that caused quite a bit of upset, I think, on Tuesday. He said on Tuesday, he said, so the same urgency doesn't seem to be there in terms of availing of the option to take the booster as was there when we offered the first dose and the second dose
1: well clearly and if you saw the cues in UCD there, there, so there is a wrong. desire in the part of well I, I'm not going to speak for the t Um, but what I what I would say is I suppose the, you know it's been acknowledged on the part of the government that there is a problem uh, at the moment that there are glitches within the system they will be ironed out uh, I think the the core message and the important message that needs to get out there is when people are offered their booster uh, that they take it um, this is not some this is not some optional uh, extra. Um, Because
0: you see, Paul Reid today at that press conference, um, the press briefing this afternoon, said that we're not seeing vaccine hesitancy uh, on the contrary. But what we are seeing is multiple channels, people with multiple options trying to fit that into their lives and the other demands they have. And and then he went on to call on people to say, this is the most important appointment you're going to have and you should take up this appointment. But, you know, there's a strong bang off of that, that people aren't prioritising, that people are thinking, you know, doing other things rather than taking up their appointments. So I think people are, are one, like, on one level, we're seeing the absolute, uh, you know, frustration of people queuing up at UCD this morning and, and in many other places around the country we saw there was long queues. And then we we see, you know, people getting kind of a little slap on the wrist.
1: Well, look, I, I think the core message and, and that which we've got to get out there is uh, the vaccines work. They are working. We know that the booster's are, are essential as part of this fight the against COVID. The messaging is all over the
0: place, though.
1: Yeah, but, but the messaging is actually quite clear. The, the most important message that needs to get out there, apart from anything else, is that if and when you are offered your booster, that you go and you take uh, that, that that booster. I, I can certainly say, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm, I'm too young as yet to be offered one, but I can't wait. Garsoon. Yeah, garsoon, I can't wait like welcome. everybody else.
3: <laughs> uh, Maureen Farrell. Look, I think... Um, we could say that really today and that was um, a fiasco and I think in, but I do think that um, what we've seen is such buy-in from people in terms of vaccines. We've seen massive buy-in um, and I do think that people are prioritising. I tell you if I was told that I'd be getting a, a booster shot next week I'd be prioritising it and I think a lot of people are in, the same, um, are in the same mindset so I don't think that it's a situation where people are prioritising other things. I do think people see this very much as a priority especially with the Omicron um, variant and all that and I think especially when we're two weeks out from Christmas I don't think anybody wants to be isolated in a room alone on Christmas Day um, obviously we had um, issues there with the um, booking system etc and it's good to see that they're they're looking at the IT system but I do think this week probably was a bit of a fiasco in, in terms of that and especially this morning but I do think people are prioritising and people want to get that booster I tell you I want to get that booster anyway
0: Jared um, Howland you have a a good news story from the booster campaign
2: yes uh, I, about a week ago uh, unsolicited got a message from my GP arrived uh, by appointment at 10am done by 5 past 10 sat down for 15 minutes as requested gone boosted in within 20 minutes so A Carls-
0: Carlsberg made booster <laughs> appointments <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think the criticism is justified or are we like, uh, uh, is this the most classic of third world uh, pro- or first no. world problems, as we call them, that people that, you know, there's people uh, in the developing world who are healthcare workers who are treating mm. COVID patients who are still waiting for their first uh, booster. So should we just be putting, putting up and shutting up with the queues and, and the delays?
2: Well, we don't have a first world IT system to support our healthcare service and that was gone into in great depth and is a significant part of the loan to care proposals and programme. What we have is something that's not fit for purpose technologically, that we're trying to adapt, re-adapt rapidly in massive rollout programmes repeatedly in the space of a year and a half. All all things considered, we're doing fairly well and that's an international comparison. Uh, So if I was standing in a queue for three hours, instead of being in and out in a jiffy, I'd be annoyed. The bigger picture, however, is one of success rather than of failure.
4: Would you agree, Jared Crockwell? I would. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I went for my booster twice. I went on a Sunday afternoon over to City West. There was absolutely no queue. I walked up. I was asked, "Have you? Is it five months?" I said, "Yes." I handed out my cert, and she said, "No, you're five days too early. Go away." So I had to go away. My fault. I came back uh, on the Thursday. And um, I queued for three and a half hours to get my booster. Uh, I was delighted to get it. Um, I'm aware of the fact millions of people have to be vaccinated. Look, the logistics and the IT have been wrong from the beginning. I, I have an East down in Galway that got eight invitations to come for a vaccine. Eight, eight invitations. invitations. And she had been uh, vaccinated by her GP because she had underlying conditions. Several weeks before, uh, we have the situation. I. Walk walked into City West, yet I'm on a HSE list and I assume at some stage in the next few days I'm going to get an invitation. Try ringing the HSE to say, listen, I've already been done, take me off the list. I hung on for 34 minutes and 32 seconds before I got to a human being. That's not good enough. Well,
0: I can beat that a couple of times, actually, or, or beyond <laughs> the 50 minutes. Uh, but very, I have to say, incredibly polite and helpful human beings at the end of yeah. that line as well, which, which should be said. Um, UC, we had the UCC Professor Liam Fanning on with us on the Saturday programme a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we we're talking about, the, obviously, the next step now, which is the campaign for to roll out vaccines for children. Half a million children obviously going to be a massive logistical issue. He was saying we should, like it's so important uh, to get the booster programme right along with this other programme that we should be looking at calling in the army at this stage.
4: My... my. my... Sentiments totally. The army are used to putting logistical issues in place. They move entire battalions. They have the experience from Ebola. They know how to get things done. And I think what we've done is we've asked people in the HSE who are not used to massive uh, logistical problems like what we're seeing right now, we're asking them to step out of their comfort zones into a a pretty dynamic situation that changes by the day. So I personally would favour seeing the defence forces, but then people would expect that from me anyway but I would because we have the expertise there we know how to do it and I think that's what we should be doing and I think my colleague Carl Berry would 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 agree with me and Carl is both military and and a medical doctor who has been involved in the vaccination programme so I mean uh, every centre you go to there are military people there I think we should be pulling in the uh, logistical expertise and using that and let the HSE do what it does best look after sick people.
0: OK, were uh, you, nodding there, Malcolm. Uh, you, you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree. And I think if, if you're calling the early days of the vaccination programme, the defence forces did come out uh, to assist. Uh, and I, I think... There and we
0: still see them. If you go to, to for a test, uh, you see yeah. some of the, yeah. the guys there and uh, their uh, fatigues, their this, army This fatigue. really
1: is a, you know, it's it's an all hands on deck um, operation. I mean, I th- I, you know, look at the figures again in the overall scale of things. And, and there are glitches and they're having glitches all year. But remember, we're at a situation, 3.8 million people fully vaccinated in under a year, a million have already received a booster. And, and contrast that, and you 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 referenced it as a first world problem. I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have is where in the developing world we still have, you know, in single digits uh, the numbers who are vaccinated. And I think we do need to shift some of our concentration to try to ensure and Ireland has been very generous uh, in terms of providing vaccines. We need to. Well we we support I mean I, I, I think it's been clear Minister Minister Donnelly has made clear that in principle he is supportive of the TRIPS waiver. This is an issue that's being discussed
0: but the government is supportive of it?
1: Trips uh, um, S- 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 Stephen Donnelly, when he was in Stephen Donnelly, when he was in the Shannon had said that uh, you know on a personal basis he supports it. A personal basis is no good if the no government is supporting the, the, the EU position, which yeah, is against the yeah. trips waiver. So, so and, and the government is discussing this at, at EU 11. In fact, I was I was only chatting with Minister Robert Troy about this. I think Ireland has been you know, per head of, of, of population, we have been one of the most generous in terms of uh, delivering vaccines to the developing world. And it's precisely why I brought it but up. As it's we know, it's
0: a drop in the ocean when it comes to what needs to be done. And the only thing that will actually get the, the scale that we need is a trip's wave. Yeah, I, and I, I agree
1: with you. I totally I totally agree with you. And and and, and nobody is safe until everybody is safe. Uh, um, that message came from Mike Ryan right at the the, the the very start of this with the excellent UNICEF campaign that's out there. But I entirely agree there has to be greater generosity on the part of the EU. And it should be remembered as well. I mean, I know the EU is getting a lot of criticism right now and deservedly on, on the slow pace in this. But at the so start, you the that EU opposed Just, just to be clear bans, about this,
0: are you saying that, that um, Stephen Donnelly is actively engaging with his counterparts uh, in the EU. Well, well,
1: well I, I, I can't say exactly what the minister is doing, but what he did say in the Shannath when it was posed to him yesterday was he he, he indicated very clearly that he supports it. Because, because we know... Uh, we know the position that that until everybody is safe. Well, we had uh, Alice Mary that.
0: Higgins in the studio last night, and she actually specifically said, "If the government doesn't support the trips waiver and support the the change in the EU position, that we should just stop saying nobody's safe until everybody's safe, because it, you know it it the two the the current government position."
1: isn't yeah. and and it has to be it has to be agreed at eu level uh it has to that, be agreed at government
3: level first yeah, yeah
1: absolutely uh, yeah we
3: look i mean i think it this is something that we need to be shouting from the rooftops about it's grotesque that we have a situation whereby um that it, there's so many people in the developing world and as you said, um, specifically people who are working um, on COVID wards who do not have um, the option uh, of a vaccine and it, it's it's really shocking and it really comes to the core of everything that's unequal, you know, when we have a situation where some people have access to a vaccine and other people don't. I had heard, I, had, I didn't hear specifically what Minister Donnelly said but I had heard previously that Minister Donnelly had made soundings in that regard but the reality is that is not coming from government we literally need to be shouting from the rooftops about this um trips waiver it's so important we know that um variants will uh, form and we don't know what the, what they will take but we literally will not get out of this unless we are absolutely sure that um every country and everyone has the ability to take a vaccine w- if they wish to do so yeah which even from a will.
0: purely selfish selfish even selfishly. Yeah. P- position should, uh, not that it is
3: it, it's t- fundamentally about equality here mm-hmm. and it's fundamentally about people having access to medicine but it is shocking that that isn't the case but really, I mean, as you said, even from a selfish point of view, we ain't going to get out of this unless we're um, we deal with this. Jared Howland,
2: I can only imagine the pressure um, being put on government, uh, subtly or otherwise, uh, by the massively important Indeed. pharmaceutical industry in this country on this issue, um, and, and their caution around that. Accordingly, uh, you know, one of the, the things that's keeping us afloat and, and paying for all the subsidies uh, is. Um, taxes from international sectors in which the pharmaceutical industry is very prominent. So I'm sure that is a political factor within government at this time. The bigger picture, of course, is that nobody's safe anywhere unless everyone is vaccinated. We were here uh, in in the past. uh, HIV medicines were were an example uh, and others. And um, the bigger picture would seem to be, from an EU perspective, this, this isn't working. It's not working for us selfishly. I, I accept that. So uh, unless Ireland can persuade and be part of a majority in the EU to change the position, uh, the status quo will continue and uh, none of us will be safe because people are unvaccinated somewhere else.
0: Indeed. And just to say uh, some support for your position about the army, Gerard Crockwell, um Definitely get the Army out, says one listener. Queuing out in the cold for hours is no joke. Army is great at organising the whole thing. Um, another another caller, uh, another texter says, you don't need the Army. You just need a proper technology provider to get the job done right. It's not really rocket science standing up a booking and admin system that just works in 2021. And... Uh, uh, if no underlying conditions, says another listener, ignore the walk-in centres and just wait for the appointment, which worked very well. Uh, we will move on from the vaccination programme because I want to talk about that other uh, COVID story today. The um, government moved to drop the planned cut to the employment wage subsidy scheme um, instead of going uh, along with that other proposal, which was uh, to use the COVID restriction support scheme to help firms because we were told that was going to be very complex and very costly. Um So that cut that was going to happen to the the EWSS um, isn't going to happen now for another couple of months. Maureen?
3: Look, we had an extremely bizarre situation last week whereby and, you know, it's funny when you look back at it, but it absolutely isn't funny for those people who are affected. But we had a bizarre situation last week whereby we, the um, hospitality sector were clearly saying they could not see these cuts um, come on the 1st of December um, because of this status as it was at that point on the 1st of December. As we know, two days later, on the 3rd of December, new restrictions came in. We've been saying, and it's not just us in Sinn Féin, it had been, um, it, it had obviously been the hospitality sector and many others had been saying, don't bring in this cut now. Um, wait at least till the end of the year. Take a look at this Um before you um, move with this. I mean, the fact that then two days later, I just don't understand how this could happen. Two days later, then the government say, well, actually, we're going to have to bring in new restrictions, but um, we haven't actually thought about what way we're going to support businesses yet. We're we're thinking we're going to do something, some targeted approach with Chris um, and then only for the following week, then them to come and say, actually, we this is too complicated now, we can't do this. We're going to stick with what we've been told we should actually keep the entire time. Um, so obviously, we want um, targeted support. I mean I think 14 or 16 months ago, um, my colleague Pierce Doherty had put in um, amendments in relation to it, you know, talking about the whole thing about it needing to be targeted support. So that the fact that we're here a year later and that hasn't been um, really formulated or dealt with is another aspect. But really, the reality is you're talking about people's lives here. You're talking about people's livelihoods. You're talking about people who've been stressed out for the last nearly two years about their businesses, about their jobs. Um, They've been crying out, being very clear and they didn't want these cuts in the EWSS. And to be honest i i actually i don't know it Hames was made of it in my opinion, to be honest um
4: we might say it just on, on, on government support. We, we, we've been throwing out money for the last two years like it's confetti, right? Uh, some of it has been well spent, some of it not. Uh, one of the things that really got to me, um, I was listening to the people involved in the pantos, the pantomines, and it wasn't a government instruction, it was government advice. And government advice mm-hmm. means you have no claim on insurance policies. You have no, so uh, government need to be clear if if they do not want large crowds to gather in uh, theatres, for example, then they have to compensate those who have put their hard-earned money into preparing something that... Up until a couple of days ago, they expected to be able to see a return on their investment. And it really galls me when we get this government advice is A, B and C. Uh, Like travel at the start of the pandemic, government advice was that you shouldn't travel. But you couldn't go to your insurance company and say, I've been advised not to travel. Please give me back my money. So I I agree uh, totally that we need to support those businesses. We need to... Uh, ensure the supports are in place. The one thing I am happy about is that they have changed the PUP payment, that they have made the PUP payment more in line with those that were working. You had the ridiculous situation in the early days of the pandemic where uh, I knew one young fellow that was earning 150 quid a week, the shop he was in closed down and he gets 350 quid uh, from the pup payment. So they have made that more realistic and that's good. But we have to support businesses. But I do think we need to step back and remember when this is all over, all this money is going to have to be repaid to somebody somehow and uh, we're as you mentioned at the top of the programme we're hitting into high inflation so I, I, there are bad days coming and I, we we need to be aware of that I, I think government Malcolm Byrne
1: yeah government policy has been very clear public health is number one priority uh we don't know there's no manual to this pandemic we all thought you know that that we were coming out of uh this everyone was looking forward to a christmas i mean all the businesses were, were delighted businesses would much rather be open government would rather uh, that businesses uh, are open but with the arrival of the omicron variant the government decided to exercise caution in those circumstances uh Immediately then, the position was that supports had to be put in place with business. There was discussion specifically uh, with the sector uh, and all the measures were, were were reintroduced to provide that support. And in all circumstances, and, and I want to come to the, the panthers and theatre I- issue because it's something that's close to my own heart. Um, in all circumstances, uh, government has said to business, look, we will support you when... Uh, difficulties arise and when restrictions have to come in. To date, over 20, and Jared is right in terms of the amounts, over 20 billion has been spent in terms of di- direct supports, But that is necessary to keep businesses afloat and keep people in employment. I want to say on, on, on Pantos and 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 theatre, because I, I, I was quite disappointed. I mean, uh, I, I happened to be in a number of theatres in the last week. I was, I was quite fortunate. All very safe, controlled environments. Uh, and... The minister was moving very quickly to provide the support for professional theatres and pantos, but not necessarily for community pantos and, and groups. Uh, and in fairness, Senator John Cummins from Waterford and I raised a commencement matter uh, in the Shannon We pushed on this. The minister agreed a package to be made available through local authorities to support those community pantos and so on, because a lot of them, you know, won't survive without but, it. So so what I'm, what I'm saying is government, you, yeah. is government is but responding. Can I put you,
0: if it is, and the phrase we heard today, which I think would have kind of... <laughs> a lot of people groan internally which was if this really is going to be a long war it, you know the measures that have been put in place uh, n- on, not targeted it's kind of a they, like they, they may have been uh, the best we could do when we thought it was an emergency, relatively short-term crisis that had to be got over—a bump in the road—but we are now looking at potentially a very long road. So, when are we going to start seeing a more comprehensive,
1: but but I mean targeted approach? There, there, there are approach. criteria by which people will qualify for DWSS, and in, in, you know, in terms of the, the you need to show the. But, impact But it has on your been acknowledged so that
0: this was done yeah, speed and,
1: rather than and, perfection. And speed is and, and speed rather than perfection is important because the the most important thing. here... Yeah, but if it's get money into and it is going to be but the most important thing here is to get money okay. into businesses and individuals hands and if, 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 if the wrong people get the money we need to come back uh, and get it back from them. Can
3: I just say the point that I would make there though is that what we had was a situation where last Friday night um, rest, uh, different restrictions were announced um, and there was a whole weekend um, and a whole week nearly of people being unsure as to what supports they were going to get. We were told that there was going to be a change in the Chris um, that was going to be targeted um, and there was that uncertainty and that uncertainty at nearly two years into the pandemic when we do um, have a better understanding um, is just not good enough and, okay. I, and I do also think that um, you know the whole thing about targeted supports that is something that has been talked about for a very long time now as well um, and to see, see then that th- this week the Minister uh, for Finance said that it was too complicated at this point um, Yeah, to, too complex to and the, very
0: costly Let me bring in Gerard uh, Howland on this one uh, Jared. Do you think that, that uh, you know, it's fair criticism uh, to to say, you know, that there should be more targeted supports, that this system should be, you know, running more smooth at this stage?
2: Well, I mean, the government, uh, as you said, started this as an emergency measure over a year and a half ago. But until unless we know differently, we have to assume this is a new normal indefinitely. And if it's a new normal indefinitely... Uh, we cannot have ghost industries permanently subsidised. Uh, that's an incredibly hard, shocking thing to say. Uh, but we are massively overprovided in in some sectors, in, in, including restaurants, entertainment and so forth, for this new normal. And um, we cannot, uh, you know, it's, it's these subsidies are taxes that have to be paid with interest eventually. That, no. that is going to be a, a political downward,
0: hot potato. No, like, it's, it's, uh, it's
2: a political volcano. A
0: volcano indeed, yeah. But, uh,
2: but it doesn't change the fact that subsidising zombie businesses is bad for the economy, is bad for jobs, is bad for people, will be paid for uh, in spades eventually. And that eventually, by the way, could come much sooner than we think uh, if interest rates rise, if the ECB takes the punch bowl off the table.
4: Actually, Gerard is right here because... If you just give me a second, Malcolm. Gerard is right here because um, when we talk about subsidising industry, for example, that comes at a cost of putting air filtration systems into schools where we were told a year ago, children don't get COVID, don't worry about it. We now have a situation where uh, we're told that air filtration systems will be made available if a school can put forward a case. But we've heard several principals coming out saying that the criteria is so difficult to deal with that they just can't do it. Uh, At the end of the day, the new normal that you're speaking about, Katie, that's really what we've got to sit down and think about what is the new normal? And Jared is right. If, if uh, having been a businessman myself and lost a business and lost my home into the bargain with it, uh, I, I think sometimes we have to be real about things. And if uh, if a, a ghost business exists or a zombie business exists, unless a strong business case I'm, can be made,
1: I, I'm going to no, know. I, I I really have to because particularly on the question of the EWSS, that is about ensuring that people can remain in employment. But Malcolm, that that
2: doesn't address the fact that people can only be kept in employment in businesses that have a viable future. And in this environment, uh, uh, unfortunately, horrible as it is, a lot of these businesses seemingly do not have that. Therefore, these payments are good money after bad.
0: How is the call going to be made on that, though, Gerard Howland?
2: uh, uh, Well, with, with such political pain that I prophesy it won't be taken
1: no well i i i look it, it's going to be a case of there there has to be a prudent management of the economy that that is the case and there is evidence that's now showing that the economy is bouncing back better uh, than anticipated. Do you
0: believe that all of those businesses that are, you know, being kept on life support, uh, you know, now because of, of n- no, the they're, situation, they're, they're do you believe all of those businesses n- no, will
1: come back? No, no. It, it's inevitably going to be the case that, that, that you know, there are always going to be some businesses that, but I think that the vast majority of them, and I certainly know that if you look at people who are employed in tourism and hospitality, who've who've had it tough over the last period, most of the hotels and restaurants and bars will survive. Not all of them will. Of course, of course not. in normal times, not all businesses will. But what is important here is that we give people a fighting chance. And more importantly as well that that those businesses are able to retain employees because if they lose those employees like there's already a major skill shortage within the hospitality sector if somebody is let go from a business you know they're going to go and and, and look to try employment find employment in other areas like there is that bigger issue of the skill shortage within the hospitality sector and people who have been leaving the sector this is really about giving those businesses a fighting chance and government is and, and, and I make no apologies for saying this government made very clear. That we will provide support for the businesses if the restrictions have to be brought in, and that back commitment forever is Forever and ever, amen. Well, not forever, never, amen. You can't say that. And I, I do appreciate this is going to be the new normal. But what I'm, I'm certainly hoping is if, as we move through, you know, the evidence from the booster campaign is uh, that, you know, it, it, it from in other countries is again that it's reducing the levels, the levels of serious illness. We're not going to see the same numbers ending up in in hospital. Then what we're going to be able to do is, is to manage and to continue uh, to live with COVID. Government never wanted, you know. Government does not want to close down any sector. The problem is is uh, because of the new variants. Uh,
3: in a strange, quickly, ter- in a very strange turn of events, I have to agree with Malcolm here. I think the thing is, Can that, we just um, have a moment we- silence <laughs> <laughs> for that,
1: for that, mm-hmm.
0: for
2: that.
3: Um, <laughs> Eventually, yeah. okay. But look, I mean, I I think at this very moment of time, what we're saying is that we're restricting business and people's livelihoods and ability to have livelihoods by public health advice, which the government is um, bringing in these restrictions. So you can't have a situation whereby government is bringing in restrictions and um, curbing the ability for um, people to make a living and then not provide supports. I I I just think that that's... That's not where we're at at this very moment. Time. I've been. We've been saying for a long time that we need targeted supports, and that's something that the government absolutely needs to start looking at. Because this week clearly they showed that they haven't been looking at that. But maybe, um, maybe we'll see more clarity in the next uh, in the next few weeks and months. But they need to be looking at it immediately. Um, let me
0: look at um, the inflation issue there, just because uh, it's come up a couple of times in, in passing, but. I, that could completely transform this debate, you know, in six months' time. Gerard Howland, talk to me about
2: this. Well, Pascal Dunne, who reassures us this is temporary and uh, there is, you know, uh, a range of views ar- around the world uh, that would agree with him. I hope he's right because the simple fact is that the affordability of our debt, uh, which is increasing and it's set to increase further, uh, is dependent upon low interest rates, which is dependent upon a low inflation environment. And if, if, if that goes pear shaped, we. I was about to use a word that you'd have to press the bleeper. Uh, I don't have a bleeper, up. but. <laughs> well, <laughs> metaphorically. Um, but the consequences of prolonged inflation feeding into higher interest rates, given we are so acutely vulnerable, carrying so much debt, going into a period where eventually, whether it's one year, two or three years, the ECB will take the punch bowl off the table. Uh, the uh, interest-free money from Frankfurt will cease. We will have to find money on the open market. The cost of our debts when have they have to be rolled over, which admittedly is some time away, uh, will be much higher. And in an environment where, um, t- uh, you know, t- uh, spending can only be provided for by debt or, or, or by tax. The consequences for, the, for this country in those circumstances uh, will be reminiscent of what happened after 2008. I don't believe the scale would be the same, by the way. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not prophesying an Armageddon of that scale, but there will be an incredible stricture on the public finances that would be avoidable if we were less spendthrift than we are now. I mean, some of this conversation tonight, I think uh, it will be rude in years to come when the consequences of the spending are borne out.
4: Yeah, I think when you see workers spending, uh, we we see it all the time now, where it used to cost 60 euros to fill your car, it's now costing 120 euros. Middle Ireland, uh, people who are travelling 30, 40 miles to work every day uh, are filling their car twice a week. It's now 200 quid instead of 120 that's a lot of money out of their pocket. They're trying to fill their oil tanks, etc. I think Middle Ireland is going to uh, see a demand coming in the very near future for wage increases. And as a former trade union leader, I could only support that in the in the current environment. I hope Pascal donahue is right, but I'm not so sure there is anything that can actually stack that up at the moment. We don't know where well, we're going.
0: Yeah, you see, I see the US Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has uh, recently signalled a shift in the thinking on the. He said last week it was probably time to retire the word transitory when describing inflation. That would send shivers down anyone's spine, wouldn't it, Mairead Farrell?
3: Well, look. I think um, George hit the nail on the head there in relation to the um, energy costs. I think what uh, well, what's funny is that Pascal had been saying for quite some time um, that obviously there would be, that there would be inflation as the economy reopens, um, and that that was to be expected. And, and the ECB were saying um, similar, but it, it's it's funny that he didn't say it to his housing minister, who then decided to link rents to inflation. But that's a story for another day. But anyway, but the point is what we're where we are at is that um, we're seeing this huge cost um, rise in energy prices and this is something that is affecting everyone um, and as you said in my, in my tank of diesel uh, was way more in petrol and their oil, oil has gone up by um, you know I think 71% um, it, so it's, it's a massive massive cost increase for people but we've been saying for a very long time now um, or the last number of months anyway to the government that they need to do something about this because people are being and, um, really hurt by this and um, increase But no, they haven't. So what we've been saying is very clearly is that they need to do um, what other countries have done in terms of vat or they need to look at the um electricity for all measure and putting that so in a wider third. thing so if you look at um, um italy for example they have they launched a package of 3.4 billion euro to protect households from the energy crisis um in uh, october and, november uh, december and in we've the british we well, we've seen um an inc- we've seen um an increase in terms of their vat receipts of nearly a billion if we had it, it, the irish package on a similar scale to italy it would be 750 million like that's coming out but of the we, house can we tie have a package. that into
0: the, the conversation we were just having yeah. with Gerard Howland uh, you know if we you know and you're, you're saying people need to have uh, some supports to get them through this winter in particular but you know if we're throwing public money more money at this problem in circumstances where we may be facing into rising interest rates in the international money markets where well, is this yes, all going oh, to
3: where, where, where is this going to take us? Of course we should. Of course, what we're, the situation that we're in. Obviously, we should be spending in terms of like I- assisting people and and all that. I don't think, and I'd have to disagree with uh, Gerard Howland, I don't think that at this very moment in time, the um, the international conversation in terms of. Um, econo- uh, like in terms of economic environment, is about um, austerity. It's not that we're well, saying. That we Spain need would to have w- to
0: just go away and tear up everything it has promised and pledged. If absolutely if, no, if the punch bowl was taken away. Sorry, no,
3: absolutely not. In our budget, we were very clear. Any uh, borrowing that we were doing was in terms of um, capital spending. So okay. I think that's a very important point to make because I don't, I, I, I really disagree with that point. Um, I think in terms of what the government have brought in, like their okay. tax package, was there was only benefiting um, two out of uh, no, ten no, taxpayers. No. Okay, let, let Malcolm okay, so uh, so, so
1: there, there there are a couple of issues here, and I, I suppose one is they're, 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 that, that global you know, issue. There are two reasons why we're experiencing inflation. One is obviously because of the energy costs, and the other is around some of the supply chain uh, issues, some of which are related to COVID, but there there are other factors that are there, and it is a global challenge, and it will require. Uh, global solutions in terms of specific measures because people are are hurting uh, very clearly in the budget there were a number of measures put in place that included increases in all the social welfare payments the social welfare uh, package was something of the order of about 550 million uh, it included increasing which is now kicked in already in the fuel allowance to those who are at most at risk of fuel poverty an increase of 5 euro from 28 to 33 euro per week and in January and this is about the point about putting money in, in people's pockets the tax packages, uh, will will kick in and there have been increases in allowance so every single taxpayer is going to benefit uh, in oh, Well
0: hot off the presses I have just been handed uh, the front page of the Irish every Examiner for tomorrow Every
3: time this happens it's never a good thing ever. every, <laughs>
0: no, It's in relation to what Malcolm was just saying every home to get 100 euro energy credit uh, in January Yeah So every private home in the country will get a 100 euro This credit is
1: absolutely credit. insane was in
2: the news uh, uh, who's, who's,
0: who's that? The ger- Jared
2: am Insane in the, you I, said In the cell block down the Corridor <laughs> from from you, Katie. This is insanity. A uh, hundred euro f- for everyone in 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 the audience to buy a couple of bales of briquettes uh, in in the new year. You couldn't you think of briquettes. a more promiscuous waste of money. Why? Because first of all, fuel poverty is a reality and it's too seriously, too serious an issue to have money frittered away on everyone in the, in the audience because people who are cold because they can't afford fuel are not helped by people like me who don't need or deserve that money.
1: Malcolm I got Born. to agree with that. Oh, well, uh, look, it it it, it is shameful. Look, it is <laughs> something that, that uh, shameful. It's shameful it, it's okay. to, it's to it's no. I, I don't accept it shameful when when we I look at it. So. There's a huge there's a huge challenge uh, in in terms of fuel cost. We hope and everyone hopes it's a short term challenge. Um, but if it's not, we've got to help people uh, through this winter. There is, by the way, there's, <laughs> a, there's no, no,
0: no. But address the point that Gerard Howland has just made. There are clearly people who will be in very bad straits, dire straits this winter, and they need the help. But why are we treating it like the, the child benefit and giving it to, to everyone who doesn't need it as well?
1: Because every household is going to have an impact. Now, I, oh, I haven't seen on, the... Oh, yeah. okay. okay. come on, You're not
0: honestly telling me that well, every no, household no, no, in this I'm country not, is I'm going not, to be Katie, a I'm not, poverty. No,
1: I'm not saying yeah. that, Katie. But, but what I'd say is every household is affected. But what, what I haven't seen the detail, I don't know the detail of the scheme yet, but certainly I do believe that it should be targeted at those who are, who are most at risk. But it is, look, but it's it is not. a cost. It's,
0: I'm just reading it, and this is according to Daniel McConnell and Geoff uh, Percival in the Irish Examiner. Every private home in the country will get 100 euro uh, credit off their first electricity bill of the new year under government plans due to be announced next week.
1: Okay, no, but, that is madness. But I haven't seen... No, I haven't seen the detail of the scheme, but what it is a case of is is that government has made a very clear commitment... That we are going to address some of the challenges that are that are there because everyone knows that energy costs are in the short term going to be very. This
4: goes back to the earlier points about government money at this time being thrown around the place. You
1: were the one saying looking already for public sector pay increases. And by the way, there are public, as you know, there are public sector pay increases coming in January I don't need 100 euros off my deal.
4: You know, I have a good job. I'm well paid. I don't need 100 euros. I would much rather see somebody who in dire straits getting 500 euros I agree uh, Then throwing out money like that it is absolute lunacy So you agree with that
1: Malcolm?
0: So will you be telling uh, your uh, party leader that
1: Well we've we've had at our our parliamentary party meeting and in the run up to the budget we actually had an an excellent discussion with Minister Michael McGrath around where we need to look at targeted supports and measures You failed No I I disagree here because if you look at at what happened in uh, you know in the budget we had uh, increase in the minimum wage. We had a situation whereby there was an increase in terms of social welfare payments. If you look at the uh, the tax uh, cuts that 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 were made, it was it was steered towards. So, will we, the Middle headline Lincoln out of late debate
0: tonight is Malcolm Byrne disagrees with every home of the country getting a hundred. No, uh,
1: it, it's it's because I'm not going to let you uh, try and put words <laughs> in my mouth, Katie, on the basis of a of a report that I that I haven't uh, okay. that I haven't seen. Okay. Um,
0: oh, can board, we take a break board, and I'll give you the I'll give you the front page yeah. of the Examiner to, 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 to read. Okay, we will take that break.
1: The late debate with Katie Hannon on RTE Radio One.
0: Now, the welcome back the Public Accounts Committee has found that the money spent on a range of housing supports does not represent value for money for the taxpayer, you will be astonished to hear. The committee noted that the combined spending on three three housing supports, that's the HAP, the RAS, that's the Rental Accommodation Scheme, and long-term leasing schemes uh, through which the state does not acquire an asset at the end of the lease, totaled €655 million, or 27.7% of the Department of Housing's expenditure for 2019. And I say 2019, That's how we could add a few million or tens of millions to that uh, for the more recent years. These are extraordinary figures, Malcolm Byrne. I mean, just extraordinary figures. And, you know, there doesn't seem to be uh, any immediate sense that we're going to stop paying them uh, in in,
1: in the near future. Well, 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 there is in that the... The shift in government and since Daryl O'Brien became housing minister, the shift is very clear around addressing the supply side issues. The problem in in housing is uh, we have a shortage of supply. We have a growing population. Uh, there is a you know increased demand for homes. Uh, when Daryl O'Brien went in as housing minister, he said, look, top priority is about increasing supply at all levels, uh, about ensuring that there are affordable social, that there are social homes, that there are affordable homes, and that also, uh, that there are more homes available uh, for people who able figure, to want to. When you see that figure, though, you
0: can see, like, it's so clear how distorting that must be to the market. I it mean, it, you know, and that has it, 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 to be, it, it, like, the, that the, the state
1: is... It is, but but the reason the reason why those supports are in place and and look uh, and That's I'm not your, disputing yeah, I mean, the reason is is to ensure that people can get roofs over their heads uh, and and that is it's about making sure that 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 people have in the first instance a roof over their head that they're able to afford uh, to pay the rent. But
0: within that, we see things like those long term leasing schemes, which exactly. I, I mean, I have yeah, heard yeah, nobody I, ever make a decent I, case for yeah, why we're doing I, that. I,
1: I, 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 I and I'm I'm not going to do it. Um, but but what is clear is government policy. Uh, um, has very very clearly shifted under Daryl O'Brien. There are a number of programmes uh, on, on which we are focused, but it's primarily around uh, f- social and affordable home building. Uh, you know, we talked about, it. I mean, that the, we're looking at potentially 30,000 new home uh, builds this year, which people thought we'd never reach, even with all the COVID restrictions. We need to get up to 300,000 over the next decade. Uh, and on current projections, that's where we're, we're going we're to do. Um,
4: Jared Crockwell. Yeah, no, look, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, government is risk averse. And uh, one of the ways they're trying to solve the housing problem is one of two things. The long-term leases you're talking about, Kitty, whoever who agreed to that, it's beyond comprehension. But the other thing they've done is they've set up, I don't know how many housing agencies we now have in the country. Uh, I was given a figure last year of something like 500 housing agencies. Housing associations. Uh, housing mean? associations yeah. uh, uh, who are providing uh, uh, houses to the state. That's when we were a poor country with nothing we built local authority houses and then what did we do we flogged them off to the leasers uh, at a knockdown price th- to the point where the, our stock of housing was reduced beyond
1: belief I, I, yeah, but i i don't think i don't think it's fair to say flogged them off i mean in many of these cases and I, I i support and you know i fundamentally support the right that somebody who may have you know they may have grown up in a council house but i, I support the right to somebody to be able to buy their own home i think it's an aspiration good that leave the council house and buy one but we need we need then to replace and I agree with replace the stock and I, I don't accept this that it's a flogging them off people paid serious money uh, to buy it and I think uh, as a on. policy we could Malcolm no, I, can, but I, show, I can show you a house in Sandy Ford that I, was sold to the tenant for 70 grand it made 500 that, at yeah, the top of the yeah, market yeah, but, but this shouldn't be about you know This is about people being able to buy. And you can always find those examples. This is about people being able to buy at their own home. Nobody is stopping
4: people buying their own home. You should not be able to buy a state asset for 70 or 80,000 that some years later sells for half a million.
3: Look, I think um, we probably didn't need a report to tell us that this, um, you know, about the lack of value for money um, from these supports. And what's even more um, terrifying about these supports really is the fact that um, yeah, I have people and it happens in Galway City all the time that there's actually no uh, rental properties available within the HAP limits so you'll have people and I had somebody in my um, clinic on Monday saying that um, she was trying to pay the difference between what the HAP got and what she um, what the, what she's actually paying for the rent um, and she, she simply can't continue to pay that but she can't find anything with um, within the HAP limits within Galway City at all um, so this is something that keeps happening. What we obviously need is supply here but it is a huge issue whereby people are on the hap, they can't find a place, they end up having to move um, extremely far out. They mightn't have a car, they mightn't have anything and it's it's a really precarious way of living for people, you know.
1: And we need supply, and one thing that you can do is just. Start asking Sinn Féin councillors around the country to stop voting against the supply of social. Well, and it's funny because do you know what? In Galway
3: City and Galway County, it's Fianna Fáil councillors who were voting against, and it wasn't Sinn Féin councillors. So I actually, it genuinely was, and I can bring you the thing. So to be honest, if you're going to play that game, I can play it back at you. But that's not where it's at. That's not what people want to know. What people want to know is that they can have a um, uh, roof over their heads. So what I would and, say and suggest is as, being, as you're in government to make sure that that
1: happens. And, and that, and that's why the changes are, are but now you're in not place. Doing Malcolm. I, I'm, uh, s- no, it's sorry.
4: Housing, housing agencies
1: uh, who are private limited companies, no, the, 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 vulture sorry. funds. There are local authorities around there. Th- there's a big difference that's been made that local authorities now are being given additional staff, as as you, as you know well, there are nearly 300 additional staff to oversee the housing plans of local authorities. Uh, those roles have been are approved recently. Are they going recently. to get money to build houses, Malcolm? Yes, because the local authorities are now being told, here's the powers. They have this month, every local authority in the country has to submit a plan which sets out... These are the number of you know our social affordable targets over the the next number of years. The local authorities will be held directly accountable for that. There's effectively it's going to be published, so councillors around the country can call the chief executive. And in if and they say, fail, what's the what's the what's the penalty? If oh well, they fail? well, I think I think there's, there's a couple of things that will actually happen is because if we start to see these league tables of local authorities, if Councillors and and the public in Wexford say, hang on, why in Kilkenny and Waterford are those local authorities being able to deliver and ours ours are not? Um, The big difference now, and this talks to your point about local authorities in the past overseeing and building, uh, you know uh, 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 programs now local authorities they can go and effectively up to six million on a project they can go ahead and, and, and work ahead on that they've been allocated extra staff. I know in the case of Wexford county council there's six additional staff out of that that nearly three hundred okay. so so the structures are now in place so local authorities will be there will be doing it they've to publish those targets and there is an expectation that and they will how do, how do you them.
4: hold them accountable? What do you do if they fail to meet the target
1: well I, well I i think it's it's very clear that the chief executive is going to be called in uh um, um, but I don't think that the, the you know failure is going to be tolerated at a local or at a national level and, and, and what do you I'll say to is the
4: chief executive naughty naughty you failed no, to get no, the no, target no, 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 come no. on yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, but, but this is this is the thing that, that I actually have a lot of faith in local authority chief executives and I think rather than looking at you know what do we do if, if they fail and yeah we need to take action there we need to look at what supports we can put in place for local authorities which is what Darrell O'Brien has been doing okay. and I, I've got to say everyone, everyone said okay. we're not going to meet you know the home targets this year, or next year, or so on. But the reality is we're going to be coming very close. OK,
0: well, OK. Well, uh, we wish you well in that one. Uh,
1: no, but Katie, uh, it no, is no, a fact. No, I'm not being it cynical about it. Yeah, I'm
0: just yeah. Yeah, I'm saying I genuinely wish you well in
3: that one. If that... No, if, 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 that if, Of if, course, we if, all wish them well and we all want them to reach targets. That's obviously the main aim here. But we have to also look in terms of the affordable to make sure that any affordable housing is genuinely affordable for okay. people. Because at this very moment in time, so few people in my age group are able to buy a home and they're not able to afford the rents because unfortunately, Dara Bryan didn't understand the whole okay And operation. they're paying maybe okay, a and third gonna, more am I'm I'm No, I'm, I'm going to, I want to move on. We've only a few minutes left
0: and I do want to touch on this because it's a really extraordinary piece of legislation uh, that we're learning about now. This uh, legislation in the UK, the proposed borders and nationality bill, which uh, if introduced would have major implications for the border on this island. Um, the proposals would require non-Irish EU citizens living in the Republic to apply for apply online for pre-travel clearance to enter Northern Ireland. And, um, Jared Howland, were you were you across this today? It's an ex- it's it's really a, a yes, an astonishing. It, it's absolutely
2: stupefying because it cannot be enforced uh, unless there's a hard border. Non-Irish uh, persons here in the territory of the Republic are proverbial needles in a haystack, and there's a significant uh, section of the population. Uh, how they are going to be picked out, sorted out, uh, in in the constancy of cross-border travel, uh, which is sometimes you know only for a few hours. Uh, let alone for a few days, seems to me utterly impossible. Uh, No thought has been given to the consequence of the hardness of the border. You'd need to have a place to to police this and, and the much wider cultural, economic and political consequences that would come from that. This is inoperable uh, within the context of how this island has progressed since the, the Good Friday Agreement. Um, it's not will not simply affect uh, the relative few uh, of, of non-Irish citizens here. It will affect fundamentally the quality of life, the freedom of movement across the island. It, it will deeply disturb equilibrium.
4: Well we need to fix our own side because if you're a, if you want to be a director of a company in the Republic of Ireland and your domicile in the North of Ireland you can't without filling in a form which means that your Irish citizenship in the North of Ireland is not a proper citizenship under the Good Friday Agreement and actually I brought that to the attention of the Minister for Foreign Affairs today and he's looking at it for me but it is Unthinkable that an Irish passport holder who wants to be a director of a company in the Republic has to make an application to do so. Okay, and just, just to
0: get back to this, and I just say, just this is a by the by, but just it's a bit of uh, breaking news that I see here. It's from um, uh, Mihalahan that passengers arriving from Great Britain are being advised by government to undertake daily antigen tests for five consecutive days, beginning on the day of arrival. Um, Okay, it's not quite being uh, not being st- being stopped crossing a border, uh, uh, mind can you. Can I, I
1: sit on? I sit on the. Uh, I mean, uh, Jared Helen is right that this thing will be completely inoperable. I, I sit on on the Brexit committee. We actually published our report today is on the implications talk, of Is it just big talk, though? Do you think? I I, I, I think it's look. I, I mean, unfortunately, with the British government's approach to Brexit, um, you know, who knows what they're going to come up with next? This this has been part of the part of the difficulty. Uh, this was an issue that uh, you know we did speak with quite a number of people in the north around the implications of this and it, it's not entirely a small number uh, as Sarah thinks like there are a lot of people who for reasons of work and study cross north south yep. uh, you know they could be living in Derry and studying in, or working in Donegal day, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and vice versa we, we've got to remember I mean one thing and we always talk about green and orange on this island you've got to remember now that there's about 700,000 people on this island uh who are not you know from, from backgrounds originally born here uh, and it was a very serious issue it came up uh, and I'd, I by the way I would encourage people to, to read our full report because the implications of Brexit on areas that some of us never even thought about, uh, you know, it, 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 it's incredible. But particularly, you know, for those who are non-Irish or British, it's it's a nonsense. It's, it's oh, not going to be Very operable. quickly, Mairead,
3: because we're nearly out of time. Well, look, I do think it shows absolute cluelessness um, by the Westminster Tory government if they think that this is in any way practical. As we all know, people are living um, living and working um, on both sides um, and it's it's just totally inoperable. Um, but I would have concerns that this is something that they will want to um, push through, but again, it is totally, it's totally inoperable. Okay, okay, I'm going to have to take that last break now.
1: The late debate with Katie Hannon on RTE Radio One.
0: And that's all we have time for, for this week. Thanks to all my guests and thank to thanks to all of you for listening and texting. The producer this evening was Brian Lally. Research was by Andrew Fleming. The broadcast coordinator was Elaine Conlon and Harry Bookless was on sound. Stay tuned for Colin Murray on Late Date. But first, we hand you over to Siobhan Madigan on the Sports Desk.